ಶ್ರೀಗುರೋಸ್ರೀಯುತಾಕಮಲಂಶ್ರೀರೂಪಾಂಸಾಗ್ರಜಾತಾಂಸಹಾಗ್ರಗುನಾಥಾನ್ವ
they uh, they post they post six questions. Very bold. The sages uh, put six questions to Sutta Goswami, and in the previous part, I went through his answer to the first question, and I'm picking up from there. So the second question was. Uh, speak about that which samprasidati which completely satisfies the atma yenatma samprasidati this phrase atma samprasidati or suprasidati this is a phrase that comes several times in the Bhagavatam it's a, a favorite phrase of the, the sages <clears throat> they like it because it does two, two different things. It, first of all, speaks about suprasada or samprasada, like a complete satisfaction. Much of the satisfaction we have in this world is, uh, shall we say, less than complete. We are, we are satisfied with, with food, for example. We just had an excellent meal here before this class. And it was nice. It was really nice, uh, kind of simple but yummy pasta. And I was satisfied with it. But I was also thinking, it would have been so nice with some rasagullas. So I wasn't completely satisfied in the moment. My mind was imagining things that uh, I didn't get. Uh, and the other thing, of course, is that even had I gotten those rasagullas, and even had I, by some inconceivable uh, miracle, been able to not overeat on them, uh, nevertheless, that satisfaction would have waned after some time. I would have become hang hungry again. So satisfaction, happiness in this world is never su or some. It's never... Uh, complete it's incomplete either in not being uh, uh, perfect in the moment that we get it or then incomplete in disappearing after some time so the kind of satisfaction that the Bhagavatam speaks about is different from this it's samprasidati it's complete full satisfaction so that's the first thing this phrase does it, it points out the difference between material and spiritual satisfaction. And the other thing, of course, is that it says atma samprasidati. This is something that will satisfy the self. Atma in Sanskrit uh, can mean self very kind of similarly to, to in the English language. I did this myself, you could say in English. And in Sanskrit, you could say the same. Atmanakritam. Uh, it means uh, somebody did that themselves or, or himself or herself. Uh, and uh, so... So... Atma uh, can mean self in a very kind of general way. But Atma in its uh, more kind of Vedantic, and that's where the Bhagavatam really, uh, the kind of language that the Bhagavatam speaks to us. Uh, the Bhagavatam, when it uses the word Atma, it usually uses it in the sense of the true self, the self that is beyond our mind and bodies, a kind of self that we probably all have almost no understanding of at the moment. This is kind of a shocking realization that uh, no matter how introspective and kind of calm and uh, kind of wise we are, we may not be teenagers anymore, so we, we have some kind of understanding of ourselves. But it still only pertains to, to, to this particular uh, mental and physical being the kind of understanding we have of the true self is almost completely lacking. But that is the self that the Bhagavatam aims at pleasing.
So when the sages ask Sutta, Yenatma Samprasidati Tadvada, they want to know about what kind of thing can please this real self. Now, the first question already was about bhakti. Uh, and the sages, they've already heard something about bhakti in the previous Puranas that they've been listening to. So they're not completely exploring uh, unknown ground here. They have some inkling of the truth. Uh, and the answer here to, to the second question, which continues on directly after the answer to the first question, uh, these two questions, they kind of go into each other, as we will see when we read the verses. But let me go, get into the verses. Uh, according to the Acharyas, Sutta starts answering the second uh, question from the 14th verse of the second chapter. He says, Tasmade ke namanasa bhagavan satvatam pati shrotavya kirtatavyascha dyeya pujascha nityada. Therefore, with one pointed attention, one should constantly hear about, glorify, remember, and worship the personality of Godhead, who is the protector of the devotees. Tasmat. This is the kind of code word that introduces the new topic. Therefore. So now we're entering to, 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 to the next question. Ekena manasa, with a one-pointed mind, or one-pointed attention, one should listen to, hear, and meditate, and worship always Bhagavan Satvatampati. Prabhupada translates uh, Bhagavan Satvatampati as the personality of Godhead who is the protector of the devotees. Here he is following the understanding of Shla Sanatana Goswami. He translates Satvatampatihi, or he, he glosses. He explains the word Satvatampati like that in the Vaishnava Toshani to, to, to the first, to maybe the tenth verse of the first chapter of the tenth canto. Uh, Satvatampati can also be understood as the Lord of the Yadus. Uh, the Satvatas are another word for the Yadu, the Yadu dynasty. And that also makes sense in this context because. The word Bhagavan, of course, is a word that can apply to many personalities. Many personalities of Godhead are called Bhagavan. Even uh, Jivas are sometimes called Bhagavan. Prabhupada often gives the example of Narada, somebody called Bhagavan. Uh, and, uh, and, and outside of, of Vaishnavism, the word Bhagavan can even be uh, attributed to completely ordinary persons. We Vaishnavs, we don't like that so much. But we do call people like Narada, Bhagavan. So which Bhagavan is it that we are supposed to hear, uh, glorify, meditate, and worship? It's the Bhagavan that is Satvatampati, that is the Lord of the Yadavas and the protector of the devotees. I've just been, been uh, I've been, been a little bit sick for a few days and uh, a friend of mine lent me a very fun book that I've been reading in bed, uh, Radha Damodar Vilasa Vyasaki Prabhu. It it tells it tells about about Vishnu Jan Maharaj and about Jayananda Prabhu, these kind of early saints of ISKCON. And uh, uh, right now, the the narrative is in uh, in in 1973. And uh, many things are happening in in uh, in ISKCON in the United States, which is the, the focus of the book. It's quite an interesting book because it it shows in uh, in a fairly uncensored way the things that are happening in the movement, how how new things are coming in, uh, a more kind of heavy style is coming in of preaching, a more kind of misogynistic understanding of, of society and so on. But it also shows very clearly how the Lord really is the Satvatampati in the sense of the protector of the devotees. 
there was a very dramatic description of, of an attack on New Vrindavan by a gang of bikers uh, that uh, uh, shot some devotees. One actually even even died from his 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 uh, his wounds later on, or or the lead poisoning that that happened to him. Uh, but it could have gone much worse if Krishna and especially Radha hadn't protected devote, the devotees in a rather miraculous way. So this is something that's really uh, a speciality of Krishna. He's still the protector of the devotees. Sasuta Goswami, he, he goes on. He says, Yad anudhyasina yukta karma granti nibandhanam chindanti kovidastasya konakuryat kataratim. With sword in hand, intelligent people cut through the binding knots of reactionary work by remembering the personality of Godhead. Therefore, who will not pay attention to his message? <laughs> so the question is, uh, what will completely satisfy the self? And the point, of course, here is, uh, it is remembering, glorifying, meditating on and worshipping Krishna. And he's saying, uh, remembering Krishna, that can already cut the karma granti nibandhana, uh, the, the, the binding force of the knot of karma. Karma really is, is like a knot, or I like to, to sometimes refer to karma as a web. When I was a kid, I used to go fishing with my father, and it's 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 many years since that, but I I I vividly remember uh, the fish in in the net, how how they would they would uh, they would get themselves completely tangled up, like when a fish swims into the net, it's not really a big problem. Maybe it will just get stuck a little bit with the head, but if it would just calmly kind of relax, it could just kind of by just letting go, it would kind of float backwards and be free. But that's unfortunately not what most fish do. Instead, they panic and they start uh, trying to, to go forward, go to the side and so on, and they, they end up more and more tangled into the web, into the net. And, and this, that's what we are doing as well. We, uh, we do something bad, and then we think, oh no, I need to compensate for this. I need to do something good. And then we do something good. And instead of nullifying what we just did, we create another type of karma. So the more we do, the more kind of stuck we are within the web of karma. And the worst, of course, is that karma doesn't only apply to ourselves. Like, for example, if I would start now really abusing Shamananda here on this Zoom call, uh, I would get bad karma for that. It would also be a Vaishnava Parat. Let's keep that to the side for the moment. But I would get bad karma for abusing somebody as nice as Shamananda. Uh, but he would also feel bad about that. And feeling bad about that, he might uh, maybe do something silly or stupid himself because of having been abused by me. Sakyarati would also, she would get upset because I abused her husband. So uh, she would also do something. And uh, uh, and you would also as well, uh, Atma Chanan. So, so karma is not just about what I'm doing and what result I'm getting, but whatever I'm doing, I'm also involving other people. So it's a huge mess. <laughs> it's a huge mess that we've been, been uh, uh, getting kind of deeper and deeper into every lifetime. That's why it's connected. Prabhupada calls it I think he called it in his translation. The he called it the binding knot, but uh, Bhakti 
Pradeep Tirtha in his translation, he calls it the Gordian knot of the bonds resulting from selfish deeds. The Gordian knot, that's uh, something from ancient history. There's a story that in the time of Alexander the Great, there was a, a knot in, uh, in a place called Gordia, I suppose. And uh, some huge knot made with like these really heavy ropes. And the story was that if somebody can untie that, then they will be able to conquer Asia. Uh, and many people had tried. So Alexander the Great, when he came there, he just took his sword and he cut it through. And people were like, well, I could have done that, but nobody else had done it. And he did actually conquer Asia, as Asia was understood in those days. So this kind of thing, cutting through this Gordian knot of karma, we will need to do like Alexander. We will need to, to cut it with the sword. And the sword that we need to use uh, is uh, uh, katharati. We need to, to uh, do so by these stories of uh, Krishna, by remembering him. Uh, in the previous verse, we heard about shramanam, kirtanam, and dhyana and puja. So dhyana is meditation, but it can also mean uh, uh, remembering or remembrance to keep Krishna in the in our, our mind. This is something that uh, uh, is important to practice for us as sadhakas, to try to do things that will make us think of Krishna, whether it is to worship, read, here, uh, kirtan, and so on. When Prabhupada speaks about Krishna consciousness, this really is what he's, he's uh, in the most kind of basic way, referring to, creating a kind of consciousness which is filled with Krishna. Uh, in the beginning of the devotional path, I'm sure this is something that we all uh, were kind of amazed by, how suddenly we were thinking about Krishna and the Vaishnavas all the time. But then we kind of get a little bit kind of complacent and we also get a little bit maybe lazy. So we start to think about Game of Thrones or, or our dog or, or what we'll have for dinner and things like that. And that's not, we don't need to beat ourselves up about that. But it's a sign of us not being super advanced spiritually. So what we should do is we should try to do things that will make us think more about Krishna, that will make us remember Krishna. That will be the, this kind of sword that we need for cutting this knot of karma. Uh, I heard from, from Shamananda Prabhu that uh, Guru Maharaj in the last Swami call, he said that during... During this month of Kartik, we should study Vishwanath Chakravarti's Prema Samputa, a little book on, on, on the love of Radha and Krishna. So, so uh, I heard that on Sun on on Monday, and uh, and I started, I started all, almost immediately, uh, and I realized this is a short little book that will not take a very long time to read. I read it through already once, and I've come halfway through the second round, but I also realized this is some really deep stuff. So I'm going to need many rounds of reading to, to really get to the bottom of this. But immediately I noticed, already now I'm thinking about this little book. I'm thinking about the things said in that book. I'm thinking about the kind of dramatic setup of it. There's uh, Krishna dressing up as a gopi and so on. So, so for me, at least, this is something that works. Reading about Krishna actually makes me think about Krishna. For others, maybe doing, doing seva of deities. It may be doing seva of devotees and so on. But 
whatever it is, this is what will cut the knot of karma. That's Sutta Goswami's point. So he says, since his message is so powerful, who will not pay attention to it? Then he goes on. Sushrusho shraddhadanasya vasudeva kataruchi syan mahatsevaya vipraha punyatirta nishevana O twice-born sages, by serving those devotees who are completely freed from all vice, great service is done. By such service, one gains affinity for hearing the messages of Vasudeva. So this Vasudeva Katha Ruchi, or, or taste for the, the stories or, or narrations of Vasudeva, uh, that's something that we don't necessarily have. I, for one, I don't always have that taste. I was just speaking about this, this book that I found inspiring. I don't always have that taste. Sometimes these books are, are boring and dry, and I prefer to watch Netflix. Don't tell Guru Maharaj, but that's, that's, that's the sad truth. Uh, but what can help me in such a, 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 a situation is uh, Mahatseva, or service to the great. Uh, Mahatsevaya, true service to the great. The reason for why I'm now feeling even just this little, little bit of taste for this book by Vishnu Chakravarti is that I feel that Guru Maharaj wanted us to read this book. So it's a seva to him to study it. And that's inspiring to me. That also creates this kind of taste. So if we are wondering, why am I not having taste for Krishna Katha? Here is a medicine for that. Mahatsevaya, true service to the great. I mean, it can be other things as well. We hear, for example, that offenses is something that take away our taste for not only hearing about Krishna, but all kind of bhakti. So if we feel that we're completely bereft of, of taste and everything just feels like really boring and gray and dull, it's also possible that we have committed some offense. But uh, Guru Maharaj, many times when he speaks about offenses, he makes the point that offenses are not something that we need to become neurotic about. We do sometimes hear about people doing offenses and not really being aware of it, but that's very rare. Usually an offense is something that you do knowingly, like you 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 speak badly about a devotee, you you uh, drop the deity to the ground or or you you do some things like that, maybe by a mistake, but at least you're aware of it. So it's not so common that we are unaware of offenses. So if we're sitting and we're being honest with ourselves and thinking, did I do an offense that caused this lack of taste in me? Uh, it may be that we didn't. And then uh, we just have to kind of, instead of kind of becoming neurotic about how can I fix this, we just focus on, on getting back the taste uh, through engaging in service, and especially through engaging in Mahatseva, service of the great. And Mahat, of course, Prabhupada translates it as uh, serving those devotees who are completely freed from all vice, or pure devotees in the word for word. So Mahat just doesn't just refer to our uh, spiritual master. It refers to all kinds of, of great devotees. Uh, we can read about the qualities of, of devotees in scriptures, such as the Bhaktirasamrita Sindhu. But usually we don't need to read about it. We will know, we will see that some persons are, are uh, engaged in service, some people are, are naturally uh, uh, very kind of almost like worshipable. 
like uh, like Shamanan and Sekirati, for example. They live here in, in, in my town, so I know them uh, a little bit. And they have wonderful qualities, the kind of qualities that, that really make you feel you want to serve these kind of persons. If you'd ask them, they would never call themselves Mahat, and that's something that just adds to their qualities. But for me, they are uh, an example of Mahat devotees, great devotees, pure devotees. Pure devotee doesn't need to be a person who has descended from Vaikuntha and, and who are uh, whose feet don't touch the ground. But they are persons that are, are inspiring us even a little bit. That will be good for us to serve devotees like that. So, uh, Sutta Goswami continues. He says, Srinvatam Svakatha Krishna, Punya Shravana Kirtana, Ridyantasto Yabadrani, Vidhunoti Suhrit Satam. Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead who is Paramatma in everyone's heart and the benefactor of the truthful devotee, cleanses desire for material enjoyment from the heart of the devotee who has developed the urge to hear his messages, which are in themselves virtues when properly heard and chanted. <laughs> so uh, when we develop the taste for uh, Krishna Katha then Krishna himself will uh, purify us from within this is an important point that uh, the Goswamis deal with in different places of their books. We don't, as devotees, need any other kinds of purificatory methods. In uh, Sanatana Dharma or in Hinduism, there are many methods for purification, methods for atonement also. If, you, if you've done something wrong, uh, then you can atone for that by fasting, by giving donations, by by staying up at night, and and so on and so forth. Uh, as devotees, we don't need to do anything like that. Our uh, atonement is bhakti itself. If, in fact, thinking that we should do something apart from bhakti is kind of an offense because it implies that there's something more powerful than bhakti. So going to the Himalayas and fasting and staying alone in a cave, that's not necessarily, that's not necessary for us devotees and it's not even good for us devotees. We shouldn't take shelter of any other processes than bhakti itself. So uh, Sutta Goswami he says, uh, Krishna Katha, it will purify us from within. And the reason for that, of course, is that there's a non-difference between Krishna and Krishna Katha. This is a point that Sanatana Goswami makes in the Hari Bhakti Vilas. Uh, the two are one. So by engaging in listening to Krishna Katha, we are actually in touch with Krishna. We're probably more in touch with Krishna through listening to him, to stories about him, than through trying to, for example, see him even in the, the, the form of the beautiful Sri Murtis. And then, let me see. Sutta Goswami goes on. He says, Nasta Praeshva Bhadreshu, Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya, Bhagavatyuttama Shloke Bhaktir Bhavati Naishthiki. This is a, a famous verse. To be honest, almost all of these verses are famous. Uh, I think Prabhupada recommended practically the, the whole second chapter of the Bhag first canto of the Bhagavatam for learning by heart. These are really powerful and important verses. But this one I'm sure everybody has heard. By regular attendance in classes on the Bhagavatam and by rendering of service to the pure devotee, 
all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed. And loving service unto the personality of Godhead, who is praised with transcendental songs, is established as an irrevocable fact. So by regular Bhagavata Seva, uh, these things will happen. Prabhupada has translated Bhagavata Seva here uh, as two different things, borrowing from the commentaries of the Acharyas. Bhagavata Seva can mean uh, uh, attending on the Bhagavatam, listening to the Bhagavatam. Uh, like we're doing now, for example, listening to the, the talks on, on Srimad Bhagavatam. But Bhagavata Seva can, of course, also means serving the Bhagavata, the personified Bhagavata, the devotee. The devotees in Srimad Bhagavatam are usually called Bhagavatas. They are not often called Vaishnavas. They're usually called Bhagavatas. In ancient times, uh, there were devotees that were known as Vaishnavas. There were devotees that were known as Pancharatrins. And there were devotees known as Bhagavatas. But in the Srimad Bhagavatam, these terms are not used to denote different kind of schools of, of devotees. They are used in a, in a synonymous way. So Bhagavata in the Srimad Bhagavatam, and also in the, in the language of, for example, Sanatana Goswami, refers to Vaishnavas. So Bhagavata Seva means service of the Vaishnavas. Uh, by engaging in regular service of the Prabhupada sometimes says book Bhagavata and the person Bhagavata uh, almost everything inauspicious is destroyed from the heart and uh, uh, loving service to the personality of Godhead is established as an irrevocable fact Bhaktir Bhavati Naishtiki there will be nishta or, or steady bhakti. To who? The Lord who is praised with transcendental song, Bhagavati Uttama Shloki. Uttama Shloka means he who is praised with the best verses. It's an interesting uh, name for, for the Lord, Uttama Shloka. It's used not very often. Uh, but I think the point here is that uh, this is an, a description of the Lord, but it's also a description of the Bhagavatam. The Lord is praised by the beautiful verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And that's certainly true. The Bhagavatam uh, is very much a work of poetry uh, in distinction to most of the other Puranas or all the other Puranas. The other Puranas are very, they are fun and, and interesting and important in many different ways, but they're not literally, in, in a literary way, very special. They're written in simple, kind of pedestrian Sanskrit. But the Bhagavatam is a work of kavya, a work of sometimes very exquisite and, and very kind of refined poetry. So Uttama Shloka refers to the Lord who is praised by excellent shlokas, but it also refers to the Lord who is praised by the Srimad Bhagavatam itself. Sutta Goswami goes on, he says, Tada rajastamo bhava kamalo bhadayaschayi cheta etair anavidham stitam sattve prasidati. As soon as irrevocable loving service is established in the heart, the effects of nature's modes of passion and ignorance, such as lust, desire, and hankering, disappear from the heart. Then the devotee is established in goodness, and he becomes completely happy. So this, of course, was the question. Ye naatma samprasidati tadvada. Speak about that which can make the atma completely happy, completely satisfied. And here the word, we get this word prasidati again. So this happens through Krishna Katha. When bhakti is established in the heart, raja, rajas, tamas would lead to things like lust, anger, greed, and so on. Uh, 
they leave the cheta, they leave the mind, and instead uh, uh, a sattvic state takes over. Now the previous verse said, nashta prayeshvabhadreshu, almost all, which is bad, uh, leaves the heart. And here we get a hint to what that means. Uh, the devotees established in sattva. Sattva is the best of the gunas in many different ways. But sattva is also a material mode. Uh, and sattva also binds us. Do you remember what sattva binds us to? Who remembers? According to the Gita. Uh, to religious practices? A good guess, but that's not what the Gita says. The I Gita says, commentary says. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Yeah, the Gita says that sattva binds to happiness. Yes, correct. Happiness and knowledge. So when we are in sattva, we get this kind of clarity. That's one of the meanings of the word sattva, clarity. So we kind of start seeing things in a clear way. And we also get this kind of peaceful happiness. And it's so nice to have both of those, to get kind of uh, contentment. Yeah, that's a good, good, good synonym. It's so nice to have those two things. We kind of feel like we're getting out of this craziness of the world and everything is calm and clear and beautiful. And we get so attached to that. <laughs> At least me, when I get into that mood, I get so attached to that. I feel like then somebody comes and speaks to me about something and, and then uh, the sun goes behind the clouds and everything is spoiled. So the so sattva can really make us attached to itself. Sattva is better than Rajas and Tamas because it gives this clarity. It makes us, it gives us peace also so that we can engage in bhakti without having to be worried about the senses uh, as in Rajas and without this kind of overwhelming heaviness of, of mind and body that characterizes Tamas. So, so it really is the best guna for bhakti, but bhakti is beyond the gunas. Even sattva can bind us. So that's why nashta uh, prayesh, almost everything bad, disappears from the heart. Then Sutta Goswami says, evam prasanna manaso bhagavad bhakti yogata bhagavad tattva vijnanam mukta sangasya jayati. Thus established in the mode of unalloyed goodness, the man whose mind has been enlivened by contact with devotional service to the Lord gains positive scientific knowledge of the personality of Godhead in the stage of liberation from all material association. Uh, the Sanskrit of this scientific, positive scientific knowledge is Bhagavat Tattva Vijnanam or realization of the truth of the Lord. Uh, that's what Prabhupada uh, translates as positive scientific knowledge. And it's not a bad translation because scientific knowledge is supposed to be about things that are uh, observable, falsifiable, repeatable. And all of these things really uh, apply to bhakti as well. There's a particular process that we follow. And things that we will we can quickly learn that these things will be good for my bhakti, these things will be bad. And it works. And this is the kind of knowledge that we want to get. We want to get this kind of realized knowledge, not just kind of theoretical knowledge, like, ooh, how many verses do you know? Or, or have you studied Bengali already? Do you know the Oriya script? This kind of uh, theoretical knowledge that might be useful sometimes, but that's not what the Bhagavatam is speaking about. It's speaking about Bhagavat Tattva Vijnana or, or realization of the truth of the Lord. 
Tattva can mean truth. Tattva can also mean category or, or, or class. So realization of the Bhagavat Tattva or the, the category of knowledge that deals with Bhagavan, with the Lord. Uh, this will come then when the mind is uh, enlivened or, or purified. Evam prasanna manaso, it says. Evam, when this kind of sattvic state has been reached, then uh, uh, through Bhagavad Bhakti, this realization of the truth of the Lord is born. And then mukta sangasya jayati, a person who is free from sangha or free from, from attachment will be liberated. Uh, Prabhupada translates it in the stage of liberation from all material association. Sangha, of course, can mean association as well. Uh, association with saintly persons or with not that saintly persons. But Sangha can also mean attachment in general. So we'll get free from attachment at this stage and then from there uh, gain positive knowledge of the Lord. Sutta Goswami goes on, he says, Vidyate ridea grantish, chintyante sarva samshaya, kshiyante chasya karmani, drishtva evatmanishvari. Thus the knot in the heart is pierced and all misgivings are cut to pieces. The chain of fruitive actions is terminated when one sees the self as master. This is a, a, a dramatic verse. So many things going on here. The, the, the knot of the heart is cut. All the doubts are, 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 are sliced to pieces. Uh, and uh, the karmas are kshiyante, they are destroyed. All the reactions of, of our, our, our work or reactionary work, as Prabhupada called it in a previous verse, uh, work that that is done to get some kind of reaction of, of getting something or or avoiding something, and then uh, that happens. These karmas are destroyed when one sees the self as master. This is an interesting uh, uh, wording. Drishte eva atmani ishvare. When one sees, it appears to say, when one sees the self as the Ishvara or as the, the Lord. Uh, but it can be understood in different ways as well. In this book that I, I mentioned before, the Bhagavata Samlapa by Shla Prabhupada's senior godbrother, Bhakti Pradeep Tirtha Maharaj, who was not actually Prabhupada's godbrother, he was the disciple of Bhakti Vinotaku, but he got sannyas from Bhakti Siddhanta. Uh, he and, and translates it like this When there is such a realization of the all pervading Supreme Lord Sri Krishna in the unalloyed existence of a devotee, so Drishta Evatmanishvari, when one sees the Lord in the self. So Prabhupada takes it as when one sees the self as master, but we can take it also as when one sees uh, the Lord within the self. Uh, and this, of course, is something that happens uh, at this point when the knot of the heart has been cut and so on. So Sutta Goswami, these very kind of, uh, uh, we could say, uh, kind of key verses, he portrays the whole path towards this Atma Sumprasidati, this total satisfaction of the, the self from beginning to end. And he says, then finally, he says, Ato vai kavayo nityam 
భక్తిం పరమయాముడ వాసుదేవే భగవతి కుర్వంత్యాత్మ ప్రసాదని సో ఈ గెట్ బ్యాక్స్ టు దిస్ ఆత్మ ప్రసాద్ సర్టన్లీ దేఫో సిన్స్ థైమ్ ఈ మెమోరియల్ all transcendentalists have been rendering devotional service to lord krishna the personality of godhead with great delight because such devotional service is enlivening to the self so if we want to get this uh, atma samprasidati or atma prasadana or whatever word is used here the words are are sometimes differing a little bit mostly for metric reasons then it is this part of bhakti that has thus been <clears throat> described in brief in these verses that we have to engage in the the word for for the lord here is <clears throat> vasudeva bhagavan or vasudeva bhagavati in the locative uh, vasudeva prabha translates as lord krishna the personality of godhead because one meaning or one yeah one meaning of the word vasudeva is the son of vasudeva so uh, it really refers to shri krishna himself vasudeva can also be a, a name for vishnu meaning uh, the 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 pervasive uh, one or something like that and the bhagavatam of course uses that word in both meanings because it wants to kind of bring together all the different vaishnavas whatever kind of form that we're worshiping so you can use this word vasudeva in this kind of general sense but then uh, gradually we are supposed to kind of narrow our focus then on to shri krishna himself so uh, this kind of bhakti bhakti to krishna that's the focus on shri shriman bhagavatam it's also interesting that the word used here for devotees or prabhupad translates as all transcendentalists is kavayaha kavayaha is the plural of the word kavi kavi means a sage but kavi more literally means a poet uh, being poetic we hear it in the bhakti rasamrita sindhu is a quality of devotees but here it's interesting that devotees are 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 called kavis they're called poets uh it's no coincidence i think again krishna is called uttama shloka he's the one who is glorified with the most beautiful verses and who are the ones who are creating beautiful verses well the po- poets of course so this is something that we as devotees can also uh also think about and and practice a nice way to glorify krishna is to glorify him through a words both spoken and written many of us have perhaps in our our youth been interesting in interested in in writing poetry and and uh, uh, detailing our our uh, tribulations when we had our, our heart broken for the first time and so on <laughs> and maybe we now think that writing poetry is something that teenagers do but it doesn't have to be like that we can write we can speak poetry at whatever age and it doesn't necessarily need need to be anything that we will publish or have the world read it can be completely private as well there's a, a swedish devotee in a place called almvik uh, his name is aristaha he's a disciple of prabhupad uh, he writes poetry very sweet kind of heartfelt poetry uh, i've been lucky enough to to read it's not kind of the most uh, polished or or the kind of poetry that just some general poetry lover would like but for a devotee it's very sweet because it all deals with krishna it all deals with devotional life and so on so devotees generally are quite poetic even if we don't show this uh, publicly it's a quality that we can nurture for ourselves and uh, and something that we can use for or helping us remember krishna more in our lives thinking about things that uh, remind us about krishna uh, and of course the scriptures are, are full of this kind of poetry so if we don't feel that we want to 
to create such poetry ourselves or we don't feel that we we are pure enough or talented enough or whatever at least we can enjoy what others have written and uh, uh, we can find this kind of poetry in the pages of the Srimad Bhagavatam as I've said before but also in the writings of our acharyas like Rupa Goswami, Vishwanath Chakravarti, Jiva Goswami and so on so this is what how uh, Sutta Goswami answered the second question. <laughs> I said that I'm going to go through the six questions in maybe three parts, but I think it will be more than that because I'm still only at the end of the second. But I'm going to end here uh, for today. Are there any questions or comments? Pranam? Um, thank you for, for the class and I hope you get well soon and uh, I, I get curious about this the the anecdote you mentioned in the beginning where Radha and Krishna were saving the, the devotees would you like to say what happened there because it, it, it sounded very bad and someone died but it could have been worse but so what happened <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a very dramatic story. Uh, <clears throat> the devotees had been preaching, I forget where it was, but for 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 a long time, uh, Vishnujan Maharaj and his 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 uh, group, and uh, he had this bus with Radha Damodar, and then he had two vans with Sankirtan devotees who would go out distributing Suhotra. Later on, Sotra Maharaj was the Sankirtan leader in, in one of those vans. Uh, so they would go out and preach, and they were staying for, for some time in one place next to, to some kind of camp or some kind of place where this huge biker gang was hanging out. And, uh, and uh, the daughter of the leader of that biker gang she and one of the devotees, they had some kind of an affair. So when the devotees left, she wanted to go with the devotees. But uh, <clears throat> Vishnu Jan Maharaj, he didn't allow her to go because, uh, first of all, he didn't know about that affair. And secondly, uh, he thought that this is just like, uh, maybe she's not even uh, like 18, this girl, she was, I, I got the impression that she was maybe like 17 or something. And uh, she can't just come with us without the per permission of her uh, parents. That would just be like a huge mess. So he didn't allow her to come, but she had already run away from home by then. So, so she just went somewhere else. But her father, who was the boss of this biker gang, he thought that she had gone with the devotees. So from there, the devotees, they went to New Vrindavan, where they just, they had this huge festival of, of uh, uh, they call it the Anantashesha festival, like a groundbreaking festival for, for a temple they wanted to make for Radha Govinda. So, so they had this huge festival there, and, and lots of devotees were there. And... Uh, and then uh, Vishnujan Maharaj and his group, they already left, but the other devotees were still there. And then this biker gang came in the in the uh, late one evening, I think it was. Or no, they came like in the evening. And they surrounded the whole place and they like came with guns. And uh, there was this scuffle and, and uh, a couple of devotees got shot. And... Uh, they asked for this girl and everybody said that she's not here. We don't know where she is, but they didn't believe it. So they said, they asked that who's in charge. And uh, Kirtanananda Maharaj, who was already the, the the head of New Vrindavan, he said, I'm, I'm in charge. He was, I mean, he was brave in that way. So they, they immediately took, took him. They took another devotee. They said, uh, there's some shovels there. You take one shovel each. We'll go on the other side of that hill and you can dig your own graves and then we'll shoot you. And uh, uh, in order not to make even bigger kind of 
danger for anybody. Uh, Kirtananda Maharaj and the other devotee, they took the shovels and they went with some of these heavily armed guys up the hill. Uh, meanwhile, the other bikers, they were there in the temple and they were bullying the devotees <clears throat> and and uh, then one of them noticed that there's some kind of curtain by one wall and uh, and he opened it and he saw the deities radha vrindavan chandra and uh, and they realized that that these are your gods so he took krishna and pulled him off the altar so he fell on the ground and uh, and and got broken and then he said to one one young boy who was standing on the altar completely like like completely devastated he said to him pull over that that girl as well radharani uh, and he wouldn't do it even though he was just a, a like a 16 year old boy or something he he wouldn't do it he he said he's never going to do it so they started beating him like anything and the other devotees realized that if they don't stop this then they're going to kill that boy so they said we will do it so they 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 took radha and uh, the bikers said that that drop her on the ground or i guess they said drop drop it on the ground the statue so they dropped radha on the ground but uh, when she touched the ground even though uh, she was made of marble the sound of this marble touching the ground was completely like otherworldly nobody could have imagined such a sound so there was this huge like booming sound so the bikers who were leading uh, maharaj and the other devotee up the hill to kill them they heard this like huge explosion from the temple room uh, and they thought that something has gone wrong so they 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 left them and they ran back and and uh, the the bikers there in the temple room were also completely like shocked by this sound so they all ran away so so radha saved them all by making that that huge huge sound and then later on they 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 decided to or the same day they decided to take the deities uh into to an office or something like that and contrary to what it says in the Shastra, they didn't discard the deities because they had been been uh, uh, broken, but instead they 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 fixed the deities, but they fixed them in such a way that you can actually see the scars. You can see the 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 ways in which they had been broken. Uh, I've never seen those deities myself, but I can imagine that especially for those devotees who were there for when all of that happened. And when Krishna and Radha saved them in that kind of really self-sacrificing way, how sweet it must be to see those kind of uh, wounds on them. It must be like like uh, when uh, Radha sees uh, like Krishna's uh, her own kind of uh, bite marks on Krishna's body or something like that. So so I thought that was a <laughs> very inspiring and quite dramatic story as well. I'd heard it kind of in before, but never in such detail as this. Thank you. I've I've heard Guru Maharaj mention about someone, some pujari there saying that if if Sri Sri Radha Vrindavan Chandra are not in Goloka, I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thank you everyone. Thank you. Hope to see you next time. Jai Shishi Guru Gauranga Darvika Giri Shishi Radha Madhav Mohan Radha Gopinatha Radha Gopinatha Radha Madhav Radha Shamsundara Radha Ramana Radha Gokulanda Radha Madhav Radha Ujjikupal Nithai Goshi Sharbuj Giri Raja Shri Radha Vrindavan Chandra Ki Jai Jai Vishnu Parparam Super Raja Kacharya Stotar Sita Shishi Madhi Bhakti Vedanta Tripurari Dev Goswami Rajla Guru Dev Maharaj Ki Jai Jai Gaur Bhakti Rindi Ki Jai Jai Panchatatvat Makshi Gaur Har Ki Jai Jai Shri Namadvip Mayapur Dam Ki Jai Shri Vrindam Dam Ki Jai Shri Jaganath Pur Dam Ki Jai 
Joybok the Vigno Nashman Karashin Shinga de Pagaman Kijai, Joybok the Varavara Pralad Maraj Kijai, Jai Shi Kartik Vrata Kijai, Shi Urja Vrata Kijai, Urjeshwari Shi Rad Hatakuran Kijai, Go Raprevanande, Hari Hari Bold. Shiman Brigopat Prabhu Kijai. Hari Bold, see you next time.